You are listening to City Church Manchester. We are a church that invites everyone to enjoy Christ for the glory of God. If we can serve you in any way, then visit our website at citychurchmanchester.org to find out more. Our Bible reading is in Acts chapter 2, verses 42 to 47. That's page 1094 in the Church Bibles. And if English is your second language, or you'd like to follow along with the sermon, if you go to the City Church website, on the side drop-down menu, there should be a a link saying sermon transcript, and you'll find the sermon outline there. But let me read for us. The Fellowship of the Believers, Acts chapter 2, verses 42 to 47. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles, All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day, they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with with gladness and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. This is the word of the Lord. And three months away is a long time. And so I've come back here this afternoon kind of wondering what type of church will I return to? What type of church will I come back to? What type of community uh, will this have become over the quarter of the year that I've been away? Well, if you are new today, or if you're watching online for the very first time, you're very welcome, but you're probably thinking that exact same question. What is this church exactly like? After all, if you, if you are sitting here this afternoon, think about what you will have had to have achieved to have done that. You will have had to find that doorway on the street of Oldham Street that's tucked away and that nobody notices unless you're actually looking for it. And you push your way through and it's like walking into Narnia, isn't it? Those of you who are down here on the ground floor, you will have had to come up a flight of stairs. Those of you on the balcony, well done. You've achieved two or three flights, and you have come up into what is the equivalent to what I think is a 1940s cinema. Who knew that it existed here? But you made it. If you've come for the first time, you'll have been given one of these, which is our kind of City Church welcome booklets. And you would have read something about something called Connect, which sounds a little bit like a dating app. Maybe you would have flicked on a few pages and you would have read something about Equip that sounds like a 90s indie band. You will have survived the refreshments break, which feels more like a street party than it does a sanctuary. And you will have arrived here thinking, well, who are these people? Last time we counted, there's over 40 different nationalities around City Church, and you may well be wondering, have I walked into a church or an airport terminal? What type of church is this? Well, lucky for you, lucky for you, if this is your first time, because you've just arrived when we're beginning a three-week series looking at our vision as a church. We're looking at three parts of the vision of City Church, who we are. And it's not even Freshers' Week 
But this is like, think of it like City Church 101. And this is our 10-year vision. It should come up on the screen behind me. Let me read it to you. This is our 10-year vision. We are a growing church that trains and generously sends laborers to plant and resource churches in Manchester, the Northwest, and beyond. And this week, we're going to be looking at that first part, that we are a growing church. Now, this topic of church growth is a little bit spicy, or should I say it's a little bit controversial. Thank you, Ralph, for giving it to me on my first week back. And the reason it's a little bit controversial, the reason it's a little bit spicy, is because some people really want small church. You know, the type of church where everyone has really tight relationships with everyone else. Everyone shares life and they're in and out of the, the homes of each other. And it's the type of church where there's no place to hide. Whereas other people, they want the big church experience. The big church experience. That is, there is a place for you if you want to hide. And, and there's loads of ministries or teams to get involved in and support you, whatever you want. So which is City Church to be? Are we a small church? Are we a big church? Well, the passage that we're briefly going to look at is Acts 2, and we're looking at the very end. So do keep your, your Bibles open for that, because I think Acts 2, 42 to 47, this is a honeypot passage. What do I mean by that? I mean, this is the type of passage that everyone comes to when they're thinking about what the church should be like. Now, I've heard so many times <laughs> over, over my time as a Christian minister, people come up to me and say, look, Matt, we need to get back to the church at the, at the beginning of Acts. That's what we need to get back to. And my response is, well, well yeah, we kind of do, but I'm not sure you know what you're asking for. So seatbelts on. This is not going to be a comfortable ride, but I do promise you this. If you get it, it is going to be transformative. I've got two points, and the first one's this. They acted like a small church. They acted like a small church. Now, after verse 41, just keep your eyes flicked on the passage just before our one today. There has been a massive outpouring of the Holy Spirit. 3,000 people have put their trust in Jesus. And suddenly, the church is absolutely mushroomed from a, a group of people in an upper room to a mega church. That's what we're talking about. There's been baptisms, excitement, celebration. And so, by the time we come to verse 42, well, things have quietened down. The dust has settled. If you were there in Jerusalem at the time, you would have looked around this newly formed church of believers, all who were now united to each other as brothers and sisters. And what would you have seen? What would that group have been like? Well, you would have probably seen high court judges sat next to prostitutes, sat next to wealthy bankers, sat next to industry leaders, beside homeless people, refugees, sat next to the bankrupt, uh, the first century equivalent of the supermodels, sat right next to the terminally ill, sat right next to the singles, who are beside the marrieds, who are beside the pensioners. That's the early church. 
That's the mix together. Because when these people said yes to Jesus, the entire fabric of their social worlds got turned upside down. Suddenly, they're bonded to strangers in a way that is closer than the bonds they had with their best friends or even their family. Bonds, relationally, that would last for eternity because that's what it's like to be Christians when you're in a church. So what would this new church be like? What would they do? Well, we're told in verse 42 that this new church devoted themselves to four things. Number one, the apostles' teaching. That is, they committed themselves to hearing good Bible teaching. Number two, they devoted themselves to fellowship. That is, they they committed themselves deliberately to spending time and getting to know and building relationships with other believers. Number three, They devoted themselves to the breaking of bread. That is, they intentionally spent time sharing meals together. And number four, they devoted themselves to prayer. And there are two big features, two big ideas that Luke, who wrote the book of Acts, wants to highlight. And the first sub-point is this. They became uncomfortably close in practical support. They became uncomfortably close in practical support. Look with me at verse 44 if you've got your Bibles open. It says this, all the believers were together and had everything in common. Now, the emphasis here, you will be relieved to know, is not that they started building a commune. No, no, no. The emphasis here is that they intentionally started to meet the needs of each other. Now, my guess is, if you're anything like me, you're you're probably quite a private individual. That is, if you've had a good week or you've had a bad week, when asked, when you come to church, how are you doing, for most of us, certainly my instinct is, is to say, I'm fine. I I wonder if you're similar to that. You see, I could have been through a week where, I don't know, I've been through a fire, or my house has been kind of unexpectedly whipped up by a tornado and carried across the country. I could have been abducted by aliens. And if you ask me how I'm doing at church on the following Sunday, what do I say? Oh, I'm fine. I'm fine. You see, in Christian circles, at the heart of our privacy or our need for privacy is often a worry that if we're honest, if we really tell people how we're doing, well, they'll judge us and they'll think we're terrible. And if I really reveal what a mess I am, somehow they'll just push me away. Well, can you see that in this passage, one of the things that makes the first church community in Acts so unique and so attractive was the level of honesty, where they can talk about things in their lives which are hard, that had gone wrong, and they can allow other people to help them. The key feature of the the, the small communities, of any small community, is that you are known. You are known. That is, there is a deep relational connectedness. 
And that is what the, the, the early church in Acts intentionally cultivated. You see, it's easy to get into our heads, isn't it, when we look at a passage like this from, from the early church. The, 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 the thing about the early church that made it so incredible was everything was perfect, everyone was awesome, it was brilliant, they didn't have any problems. That's what it made it so good. And actually, look, that's just not true. Look with me at verse 45. Verse 45 is very clear. This was a community ravaged at every level by the consequences of sin. They had needs. Luke's not embarrassed to say that. The difference is those needs were met by the community. And what that means for us, let's do a little bit of application, should we? What that means for us is as a church community, we need to be known for our tightness of relationships. Now, this isn't an easy application for us, particularly when we're still getting to know each other and we're still learning to trust each other and we are still broken and messy in so many different ways. We're like a team at the very beginning of the, of the season. We're still learning what it means to be a team. So I know this is hard, but it's an awesome challenge, isn't it? Imagine if we here at City Church did it, if we became a church that had a reputation for relational closeness. That would be wonderful. Well, the second way this community acted like a, a, a small church is that they became uncomfortably close in spiritual support. They became uncomfortably close in spiritual support. Look with me at verse 46. It says this, Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. Now what strikes me about this community is it, it's not just one meeting on a Sunday and then maybe another one midweek. No, no, the verse begins, do you see that in your Bibles? Day by day, not week by week or even month by month. These people are in and out of each other's lives. They are regularly in the same place at the same time as other people from that church community. Well, let me spell out what that means. You cannot spiritually grow unless you are deeply plugged into a local church. You see, I need you to be bothered about my spiritual walk on Monday, not just on Sunday. And you need me to be spiritually bothered about how you're doing, how you're growing in your love and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ, during the week, whether it's at home or at work at the office or at the school gate, in the classroom, at the university, wherever that is, we need to care deeply about how each other is growing. We need to be bothered about each other. Now, of course, that may well mean a text or an email or a message just to check in or say hi or reach out, but we can't get away from verse 46, can we? Look at verse 46. We can't get away from it. We can't wash it away or redact it because verse 46 says there is something really important 
about us regularly being in the same place at the same time as other people in the community, as other believers. And did you notice as well, did you, did you notice Luke mentions food in homes? Actually, he mentions people having food together a number of different ways in these few short verses. The, the, the phrase breaking bread in their homes tells us that they shared meals together with people who they really valued. And you can tell Luke was a foodie, can't you? Because of all of the things that he could have mentioned about the early church, we don't really get very much detail, but we do know that they love their food. Luke wants us to know that mealtimes in that church were wonderful. They were special. They were joyful times. He wants to underline that, highlight it, put a circle around it, and put arrows and stars. Mealtimes are a big deal. Now, Luke's excitement isn't to do with... Um, chicken drumsticks, or uh, curly fries, or the trying out the latest recipe from a Jamie Oliver cookbook, all fun those things are. No, 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 Luke is excited, and he says it's worth a special detail because he wants us to know that in the early church, meals, meals were never just about food. Hanging out was never just about watching a movie or unwinding over a glass of wine or, or, or a pint in the pub, these regular moments of gathering were actually really spiritually significant. They were opportunities to relationally engage with each other, to remind each other of the gospel, to look each other in the eye and say, how are you doing? To ask each other questions, sometimes hard questions, that no one else would ask you. That's how the first church grew so deep. But I need to pause there for a moment because what about those of you who are listening to that and you hear the word uncomfortable and you read between the lines and what you hear is the word vulnerable? Maybe you've been hurt by close relationships before. Maybe you've built emotional walls so high that they're taller than the prison walls at Strangeway just down the road. Maybe you're saying to yourself, look, I'm hearing what you say, Matt, but if that's what it takes to spiritually grow, then I'm out. Well, the reason you should be brave is because this, this isn't optional. This is the model that Jesus lived when he was with his disciples. The tightness of relationships with other people walking closely, that's what he embraced. The, the, the closeness of shared meals to do life and do spiritual heart surgery, he embraced that and the inevitable vulnerability that comes to opening yourself up to others, he embraced that too. Do you remember when he was accused of having meals, that is, having friendships with drunks or tax collectors or sinners? Do you remember when one of his, his closest group, one of the people that he ate with all the time, was 
the very person who betrayed him. Oh, he gets it. If you're worried, he gets it. And do you remember when he allowed his vulnerability to be fully exposed as he hung bleeding and naked on a cross so that you and I would always have a warm welcome at his father's house, that we would always have a welcome at his great banqueting feast in the new creation. Let's apply this a little bit. The Christianity cultivated in this church isn't about going through the motions. It's about enjoying Christ, often through encountering him in the midst of very messy relationships, very messy conversations. It's about finding Christ in those moments where we happen to gather together and where we are known by each other. And so this passage, I think, is quite clear. You should have very low expectations of your personal spiritual growth if your only connection with this church community is once a week on a Sunday. If that's it, if that's it, you should have very low expectations for your growth. So if you want to grow in spiritual health, if you want to grow in depth, we kind of need to choose. This is what we need to do. We need to choose to be brave. We, we, need to be, we need to be brave enough to invite other people to spend time with us. And if we're invited, we need to be brave enough to say yes, if we can possibly can. We need to make it a priority to be present when this community gathers together on Thursday nights at a quip. If you're fortunate enough to belong to one of the, the connect groups, that is our small groups, you need to make it a priority to be there. You need to get along to City Church football. You need to come along to welcome evenings. If you're new, you need to be a part of the community. You need to become known. Now, before those of you who love the idea of a small church start feeling all smug, and those of you who are long-term veterans of City Church are saying, yes, that's exactly what I'm talking about. I tell you, it was much better when we were smaller back in the day. Well, if that's you, just, just take a beat. But before you make any conclusions, come with me to our second and final point, and it's this. They felt like a big church. They felt like a big church. You see, in Acts 2, 42 to 47, you can't get away from big church. Look with me at verse 41. The church came into existence because 3,000 people professed faith at the same time. The early church would have felt very, very big. That's almost as many welcome packs given out each Sunday as matchday programs are given out at Salford FC. Think about that. It's a big church. It would mean the early church in Acts was the type of place where a new person would sit next to you every time the church gathered for a service. It would be the type of place where you would regularly find yourself looking around the room trying to find someone's face that you recognize. Have you ever done that? 
That's what it would have been like in Acts 2. It would have been a thousand and one awkward conversations where you turn to a person and you say, hi, are you new here at the church? And the person looks at you and says, no. I wonder if you've ever done that. That's the Acts 2 church experience. This would have felt big. A considerable amount of money, time, and effort would have been invested by everyone in integrating new people. That is the early church in Jerusalem. This church would have felt big. Ah, and this is healthy. This is healthy. Why? Because the fruit of their growing spiritually, the fruit of their growing maturity as a believer, the fruit of their close and regular contact with, with, with other believers, the fruit of their Bible studies over a cheeky Nando's was the fact that the church would have been growing. Why? Because the mark that someone is enjoying Christ is that it spills out into their relationships with non-believers around them. It, and it's simply this. You, you share what you love. You share what you love. If you're enjoying being a Christian, if you're enjoying your walk with the Lord, you're going to share that. And that's why people, in verse 47, were being added to their number daily. Now, let me pause there for a moment, because if you're watching us online, and it's great to have you with us, and you're thinking to yourself, actually, my local church, wherever you are in the world, actually isn't that big, therefore you're saying it's not very healthy, well, let me be clear. It's not bums on seats that is a marker of spiritual health, but rather a flourishing church of any size we'll always have a let's gather widely mentality. That is, you can be a small, thriving church plant, but you will be non-cliquey, you will always be inviting friends, colleagues, neighbors, the, the, the Amazon delivery driver to church on Sunday, you're always bringing new people through the door, and you will be devoting a considerable amount of time, money, effort in welcoming, integrating new people, making your church as accessible as possible to the maximum number of people that you can bring in. But what if you're thinking to yourself, actually, this is just too, this is just too uncomfortable. I, I want my small church. I want my set of friends. I want my close circle. I want my support group. Why so big? Well, look, just, just as the community was shaped by deep relationships because that flowed out of the pattern that Jesus set, so too does a growing community flow out of the pattern that Jesus set. Let me put it like this. Let me illustrate it like this. Over the course of this summer, I got to connect with some old friends. You know the type of people who you may not have seen for a long, long time, but you chat to them, and you might have a drink with them or some food with them, and, and you're chatting, and it's like old times. It's, it's like no time has elapsed at all, and you're relaxed, and it's easy, and it's just full of laughter, and you really enjoy it, and it is utterly life-giving. Oh, I've had some of those moments over the summer. It's been wonderful. But they reminded me, they reminded me of what it would have been like 
if I was back in the New Testament and I got to be with Jesus and his disciples over a meal, perhaps at the ancient Near Eastern equivalent of somebody's small flat or in a local KFC? What would it have been like to be there? And I kind of imagine there would be full of laughter, full of great conversation. You would have had... um, You would have had Peter, the apostle, talking about the massive fish that he caught once and no one quite believing him. You would have had the the brothers, um, you know, James and John arguing and winding each other up. You would have had Matthew, the former tax collector, talking about new tax initiatives. You would have had Simon the Zealot doing kind of impressions of some of the Roman governors using all of the voices, having people in hysterics, and there in the middle would have been Jesus sharing life with them. And wouldn't it have been wonderful? What would you give just to be there for one meal with them? It would be great. But you know, they were always clear. It couldn't stay like that. They knew from the beginning that what they had, however special, it couldn't just be them. It needed to be wider. It needed to be more inclusive. It was always in the DNA. You see, of God's people back in Exodus, the great miracle was taking a crowd of people and turning them into a nation. The greater miracle than the feeding the 5,000 was when Jesus took a crowd of people and turned them into a church community. And that is a miracle that is still going on today that we at City Church are part of. It's been wonderful at this church. We've had so many great experiences over the years, so many privileges, so many great memories, but it can never just be us. It can never just stay us. It's so good that it must be shared. If you're you're wondering what sort of church we are here at City, we're a growing church. If you want me to be more precise and wondering what the future holds, our vision is to grow to be somewhere between 500 and 600 people, not because we want to grow big, but because we think that is the number that will enable us as a community to be regularly and healthily training, resourcing, and planting new churches right across Manchester, the Northwest, and beyond. And if you want to hear more about that, come back next week. But as we finish, I want you to come with me to perhaps the most intriguing verse of this whole description. Open your Bibles. Look with me at verse 47. We're told that this church enjoyed the favor of all the people. That is the whole community of the city. Meaning that the city of Jerusalem noticed what was happening and they were attracted to it. Why was that? It was because a group of people who on paper shouldn't be friends. A group of people who on paper shouldn't have any real connection with each other were choosing to reshape their resources and change their diaries for each other. And when that happens in a town or a village or a city, the world sits up and takes notice. 
Why? Why do they notice? It's because when that happens, it smells like something supernatural. When that happens, when that happens, it is not merely the signature that God is there, it's his very fingerprints on that community that say he is live and present with them. Now, we live in a time right here in Manchester, right here in our nation, where you know and I know people have never felt busier, never felt more stretched, never felt more justified in saying to themselves, I just need to look after me, my time, my resources, when I'm ready on my terms. And actually, that gives us the best opportunity that we've ever had that in the way that we love each other, the way that we look after each other, the way that we welcome new people, it gives us the opportunity, unlike any other time in this church's history, to make shockwaves through this city under the name of Jesus Christ. I'm going to finish with a question that I want you to answer, whether you've been here for years or whether this is your first Sunday. And the question is this, what will it be? Ask yourself, is God calling you to make a church like this a growing church? Is he calling you to make this church your home? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we... We thank you that you have given us the gift of each other. You've given us the gift of being a community that has the opportunity to enjoy you as we enjoy relationship building with each other. Father, we are so sorry for the way that we often feel that we can do things alone and that it's, it's just about my private faith when actually you've invited us to belong to something special, bigger than ourselves. We know that can be terrifying and scary. We know that can be hard in so many ways. We know that it is your call to us to get plugged into a local church. And so I pray that you would open our eyes today to change our rhythms, our patterns, our habits, so that we can exhibit the wonder of this shockwave community in the city of Manchester. Amen.